Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include industry referrals, my interview with Richie Mays, Seth Sprague, and Mignon Davis on the current servicing landscape and trends as we enter 2023, and the latest look at the growth of the American economy. I'd like to thank this week's podcast sponsor, Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit richiemay.com. The most dangerous statement in the English language is, but we've always done it this way. Referral business has always been a mainstay in our business, and it's not against the law. But oddly enough, one topic that has come up a few times in San Diego at the MBA's conference is continued talk about MSAs, or marketing service agreements. Referrals are fine, but paying for them? Think twice. RESPA has been around for decades, the purpose being to discourage kickbacks and illegal referrals. You can't give someone a thing of value for a referral. You can still do lots of things that you can do with your referral partners. Setting up an MSA? Make sure it is for real services, actual and distinct, and have a reasonable price in the marketplace. The general public has to see the marketing. Don't pay based on the amount of business you receive. Don't ever write, hey, I'm going to stop paying you since I haven't gotten any business from our relationship. Regulators frown on warm handoffs, although they work when you're handing it off to multiple parties on a rotational basis, and a handoff is fully disclosed to the consumer. For today's interview, I want to welcome back to the show Richie Mays, Seth Sprague, and Mignon Davis to talk about the current servicing landscape and trends as we enter 2023. Mignon has more than 14 years of mortgage experience and a variety of roles within the industry, including mortgage servicing, default servicing, and servicing quality control. And Seth serves as a strategic leader for the entire Richie May suite of services, including profitability and operational reviews, strategic planning, mortgage servicing rights strategy, retain versus release, and cash flow optimization. I'm very pleased to have this servicing dynamic duo back with me on the podcast today. Welcome, Mignon and Seth. Maybe we should start. Seth, I I don't want to rub salt in the wound, but it's the first thing I'm going to do. What uh, Those bills, man, they had the home field advantage. They had the snow. What happened? It is, very, it is a very dark week for Bills fans. I could tell you, though, getting their, their butts kicked as they did, it was a lot less disturbing than losing with a lead 13 seconds like they did a couple of years ago. So if there's any solace, you knew that was a loss from jump in, when that game started. So um, it was a little less painful this year. <laughs> well, uh, there's definitely tough competition in the AFC with uh, Mahomes and Burrow. So hopefully it's yeah. to a Jim Kelly sort of, what they have, four four straight AFC title losses or something in the 80s. Yeah, and you could add Lawrence to that. I mean, that's a tough division. I mean, that's a tough conference to get out of. So, I mean, if, if you're a free agent quarterback, you want to go to the NFC. <laughs> oh, come on. The only people that should be worried about Trevor Lawrence are those that can't grow hair on the top of their head. I know. <laughs> too formidable. Anyways, let's let's get into the interview, if that's okay with both of you. The, the first question is actually for Mignon, but you can both answer. I know you're out there completing servicer reviews for your subservicer oversight program, and it's a challenging time for many. 
What servicing operational issues and trends are you seeing out there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the CFPB supervisory highlights still keep noting the same issues. We're still seeing the same issues as we go out to subservicers and perform our testing for clients. So really, a lot of the things that 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 keep coming up during COVID and during the past like two three years. Um, one of the things is servicers are charging borrowers up to like fifteen dollars for making payments by the um, over the phone with a customer service representative. And during those calls, examiners found that representatives are not disclosing that pay by phone fee. So borrowers are unknowingly being charged that fee. So that keeps coming up. Also, uh, the CFPB keeps bringing up uh different topics with the CARES Act, failure to process CARES Act forbearance requests in a timely manner. Um, although we haven't necessarily seen a lot of that in our testing uh, of the servicers that we have been going out to um, interview and to test. Also, examiners have been finding that servicers are misrepresenting the payment amounts for deferrals. So an example of that is when a borrower is exiting a forbearance, servicers are sending them paperwork to accept the deferral. You know, they're talking to the borrowers and their, their customer service representatives are telling the borrowers that they can continue to make their old payment amount. But that is not correct because as they update the escrow, um, because after the forbearance, you know, their escrow account is a lot of times depleted or even negative, and they're having to um, increase their payment amount to cover those uh, escrow shortages. So their payment amount actually goes up just a little bit because of escrow. And what examiners found is that representatives are um, incorrectly telling the borrowers that, you know, they can go ahead and make their old monthly payment. Um, and that would be acceptable for the deferral, but that is not true. That's not accurate. And then that's causing, you know, some problems with the borrowers and, and just misinformation. Also, um, failing to evaluate borrowers for all loss mit options continues to be an issue. And under Reg X, uh, servicers policies and procedures are supposed to be designed to make sure that servicers are providing borrowers with the accurate information regarding all loss mit options and to properly evaluate those borrowers for every option. So they usually go through a waterfall, uh, they call it. So they're reviewing them for every possible scenario and examiners are finding that that's just not always happening. So that's a, that continues to be a trend. Also, um, the last thing that I wanted to mention was um, we're still identifying loans that are exiting COVID forbearances in a delinquent status, which means that the servicer is not successfully getting the borrower on an approved workout option at the end of the forbearance. And it is tricky. It's a tricky thing. Sometimes borrowers aren't responsive to those loss mit outreaches, outreach efforts. And so servicers need to just keep being proactive, make every effort to reach those borrowers and offer them some type of workout. Uh, the numbers of of the loans exiting COVID forbearances in a delinquent status should be very, very low. And so servicers really need to pay close attention to those numbers because the CFPB is going to really be honing in on those numbers. So that's going to be a topic of conversation at the forefront of, you know, all servicers' minds right now. Um, 
And then there's fair servicing. So we can, we can talk about that, but I'll, I'll kick it over to Seth and see if he has any, anything that he wants to talk about too. Yeah. Seth, anything to add? The only thing I would add is just given the tremendous volume of MSR transfers that occurred in 2022, um, you know, that number probably is somewhere between 800 billion and a trillion dollars of servicing that was transferred either in the bulk or the flow market. I would expect that there will be an uptick in findings from the CFPB around servicing transfers and complaints, most likely through their portal um, as borrowers have, you know, their escrow funds transferred and, you know, some server subservicers are much better about sort of that welcoming process, but that is disruptive to the servicer. And we have to always remember that Chopra who runs the uh, CFPB is not necessarily a fan of these servicing transfers. So I think that will get, get some attention here in 2023 along with that service transfers um, and customer complaints that continues to be an issue too, is just responding to those customer complaints and making sure that they're following the guidelines on responding timely to those customer complaints. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what are, what are people doing about this? Uh, maybe in addition to, to trying to be proactive in responding to customer complaints. So servicers typically, you know, depending on where the borrower submits their complaint, they can either submit it through the CFPB portal, they can submit it a lot of times through the better the BBB or the state. A lot of times the state that they live in, they they can submit claims through there or potentially straight to the servicer. And the servicer should have a good tracking system to track all of their complaints, the date that they come in, what the complaint is about, uh, the date that they send an acknowledgement letter because they're supposed to send that within five days. And then their research, all their notes on what the outcome of the um, complaint was, if there was validity to it, if they needed to make a correction to the borrower's account, and then keeping the, keeping track of all of those data points and then also the response to the borrower, you know, when the correction was made and then the letter responding to the borrower when that was sent. All of those things need to be logged and tracked in a reportable format so that they can, you know, just keep track and monitor all of those things and and provide that data when they're when they're asked about it. And, and definitely if they are, if the borrower is reaching out through the CFPB and complaining through that method, they need to submit their response back through the CFPB portal in addition to sending the letter out to the borrower. Seth, maybe I should have opened with this. What's kind of the the overall landscape of servicing right now uh, and, and how's that compared to last year uh well great question as always um you know it, there was definitely a lull at the end of 2022 um as you know you can't get a year-end deal done many of the servicing advisors in that space i think held product out until the beginning of the year there's definitely been an uptick in deals brought to the market either in through the servicing brokers or private deals in january i would say Sadly, based on the panel discussion that we had yesterday at the IMB conference, pricing really hasn't really improved from some of those somewhat depressed levels at the end of 2022. And I mean, the elephant in the room is sort of, and the questions off my 12 meetings yesterday was what's Wells Fargo going to do with their servicing? And, you know, I don't have any specific answers to that, but I would say that I don't believe Wells will make an uneconomic trade. Therefore, I don't think they're necessarily going to approach the market at this point with with a large bulk. 
But, you know, as Chris King on my panel yesterday, you know, Mr. Cooper said, he's like, look, if Wells wants to sell servicing, it's almost better if they sell it in one big block as opposed to doing it in sort of these smaller chunks that would tie up all the buyers. It's better that they just tied up one buyer. But again, I don't think Wells is going to make an, an uneconomic trade. I think from a volume perspective, 2023 probably has less volume, i.e. UPB traded just because there's less product. But as we're all aware from the originations and from the margins that we're seeing, you know, many IMBs are in need of cash. And, you know, if they still have servicing to to sell, they are looking to sell. The problem is that they may be selling at values below where they have it marked as a fair value asset. You know, I love when the interviewees give me input on the questions or write the questions. And after I ask, they go, great question. So here's, <laughs> here's, a, here's another great question for you, Seth. <laughs> Many of our listeners don't retain servicing, but so why should they care about these trends and issues you're both seeing? Well, I think Vignon can handle the kind of the servicing side, but I would say that even if you don't retain servicing, um, if you, you're in the mortgage origination business, and if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you have something to do with mortgages, overall profitability is definitely impacted by the value of servicing. So whether you're selling those loans, service release to an aggregator, you're getting paid the SRP, which is really just the MSR value. And if the market conditions are present or illiquidity pockets get created as a result of a Wells Fargo backing out or other entities backing out, the value of servicing is less, your gain on sale is less, and ultimately to the consumers, that means higher mortgage rates because we need to make up that profit elsewhere. So it, you know the trend of servicing values is is fundamental and instrumental to the profitability. I think the data, most recent data from Marina Walsh, which I believe as of Q3, and I'm gonna, I was only on a you know a 20 hour day yesterday, so um, I might get these numbers a little bit confused. But I think overall the profitability of independent mortgage companies is about one in four were profitable as of Q3, but most of those that were profitable were only profitable due to a servicing write-up. And so servicing value write-up, which occurred in Q3, and let's face it, is really not going to occur in Q4. The MSR values are actually down a little bit from Q3 levels based on the public disclosures of banks like Wells and Chase and others who have released, that there won't be that lift of MSR values in the financials in the fourth quarter. And so I think fourth quarter may have a record level of unprofitability in the mortgage space. You're, you're certainly right there that servicing seemed to be the difference between profitable and unprofitable companies last year. Mignon, anything to add? No, I, I'm seeing a lot of service transfers and, you know, a lot of companies starting to retain servicing that hadn't previously been or transferring from one subservicer to another or even bringing it in-house. So I think there's a lot of companies that are just changing their model with regards to servicing, whether it's, you know, retain or, or not retain or, or moving things around. So I just, I think that everyone's kind of strategically looking at their business plan and making decisions, you know, based on profitability and other, other things just to see you know where where they can capture a little extra cash right now because that's um that's just top of mind for everyone right now in this in this market okay well i have one more question for both of you and and let's go ladies first on this one what can our listeners do today to be in a better position both operationally and financially in regard to servicing 
So I would say that servicers really need to start paying attention to the fair lending and fair servicing um, issues that are coming down the pike. So servicers need to start developing methods to collect and report data on customer demographic and language preferences. So a lot of ser servicers and subservicers that I've seen lately have been developing or enhancing their website as a way to accomplish this, even adding different languages on their website or self-serve websites to allow the borrower to go in there and when they log in, select what their language preference is and, um, and then the servicer can capture that information there. But we have to remember that the FHFA announced last year in August that that starting March 1st, 2023, which is right around the corner, servicers are going to be required to maintain fair lending data elements in a queryable format for each loan. And that's only if that information was obtained during the originations process. You know, we know that sometimes that information is not able to be obtained. Um, so if it's obtained, they need to maintain that for the life of the loan. And those elements are race, ethnicity, age, gender and preferred language. So they really need to focus on this, capturing that information. And then speaking of service transfers, like we just were, um, for service transfers, the the transfer, the servicer that's transferring the loan needs to provide those data elements to the new servicer as well. Going forward, that's going to be a requirement and they're going to have to certify that they are following that process with for, they're going to have to certify that to Fannie Mae. So it's going to be very important for them to focus on that and make sure that they have that reporting capability. They're capturing that data and, um, and they're really monitoring all of those activities. That's understand the the swirl that's going on in dc whether it's the new llpa adjustments that were just announced for fannie and freddie the advisory bulletin that came out uh, related to specifically fhfa telling fannie and freddie that as they evaluate their counterparty risk they need to take a closer look and, and you know in some aspects show the math that they actually looked at the msr valuations and tested it and kind of are opining that those fair values are correct. And if they are retaining servicing or plan to retain servicing, and I think I said this on the last call, Robbie, so it's rinse and repeat here, but it's really understand the servicing cash flows, understand what risks you're retaining when you retain servicing, understand what risks you're selling when you uh, sell the various aggregators. And on the aggregator side, make sure that you've got backups for every one of your loan products. You know, there's been a couple of shops that obviously Wells Fargo closed, a couple of others have shut down their correspondent channels. So it's really ensuring that they're making liquid loans. And if they're retaining servicing to understand the true servicing cash flows that they're going to obtain and to Mignon's point, be highly compliant. Servicing is certainly getting in the crosshairs here across a number of um, the, the agencies in DC. And it's just something that you just need to be aware of to manage that risk. Well, even though the next time I have you back on, it'll be rinse and repeat as always. I I very much enjoy talking to both of you. So uh, thank you for making the time for me. Thank you, Thanks. Ravi. Thanks, Ravi. In interest rate news, there wasn't much action yesterday in the bond markets ahead of today's release of a big batch of data that will be headlined by the advanced reading of Q4 GDP. We did learn that U.S. housing demand is starting to show signs of recovery evidenced by pending sales rising for the first time in more than a year. 
The 2.9% rise in December marks the first month-over-month increase since October 2021. Today's calendar is packed with data, and we've already received several economic releases. The first look at Q4 GDP came in at 2.9%, a very strong number, while durable goods orders were up 5.6%, dramatically rising versus the last month. And weekly jobless claims were in at 186,000, down from 192,000. Additionally, the trade deficit widened. For inflation followers, the PCE quarterly was up 3.5%. Later this morning brings December new home sales, Kansas City Fed manufacturing, a treasury auction of $35 billion of seven-year notes, and the latest Freddie Mac primary mortgage market survey. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 3.51 after closing yesterday at 3.46%, and the two-year is at 4.18% after this slew of news. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. All this week, I'm bringing you quotes from actual medical exams and physician experiences. A nurse was on duty in the emergency room when a young woman with purple hair styled into a punk rocker mohawk sporting a variety of tattoos and wearing strange clothing entered. It was quickly determined the patient had acute appendicitis, so she was scheduled for immediate surgery. When she was completely disrobed on the operating table, the staff noticed that her pubic hair had been dyed green, and above it there was a tattoo that read, Keep off the grass. Once the surgery was completed, the surgeon wrote a short note on the patient's dressing, which said, Sorry, had to mow the lawn. (laughs) Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor. Richie May, a recognized leader in providing specialized advisory, audit, tax, technology, and other services in the mortgage industry and in banking. To learn more, visit RichieMay.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at Robbie at RobChrisman.com. Visit RobChrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcasts from.